This is the 4 0 written all over it podcast. And everyone, well, welcome back to the 4 0 written all over it podcast. We are coming towards the end of the first series of our podcast as the games are now down to single figures. Uh, with me through all of it from the start has been Ollie, and he's back this week too. How are we? Fantastic. I'm glad that we've actually got this episode in because there was a very small period of time where we felt that this actually wouldn't be broadcasted to any of you. So we have managed to wangle time out of nowhere somehow and, and create a, a half an hour space. So this is going to be very unedited. So I hope you enjoy it. I was um, in a premises with no keys to lock it, put it that way, viewers. So it was it was a rather precarious situation, wasn't it? But there we are. Um, life goes on, as does the podcast. And I um, haven't told Ollie what we're going to be addressing in the final part of the podcast. And we will get to that. So he knows as much as you do at this moment in time. We'll take a brief look back at Pompey's Easter weekender, which fall, fell flat on its face um, in the complete opposite way that we were hoping it to go to be honest with you and it pretty much ended Pompey's playoff hopes we were last tight at the title of the last episode Ollie was Port Vale and potential playoffs or something along those lines and what a week mate what a difference a week makes in football yeah I have to say uh disappointing is the word of the week for me um I felt that I felt we got unlucky against MK yeah, I was ready. I wasn't at the MK game. I've been to enough MK away games to know what it's like. Um, but I was ready to, after I watched, I saw the scores coming in and I was keeping an eye on it throughout the day and I saw Morel got sent off and we were 1-0 up and straight away I was ready to rip him. I was ready to go and go, <laughs> oh, you silly boy, like what are you doing? What are you thinking? Um, but after watching it back, I, I don't think it's a red card. Personally, I don't. It's one of those things in football. I think it's the referee's decision in a situation from the the one camera angle that I've looked at it from, which is all they've got on the instant. I don't think he does anything to the player. I think he gets up. You know, if anything, he may push him a small amount, but it is minuscule if he does, and it is unnoticeable if he does. I'm not sure the other players just started rolling around. If anything, Morel in that moment didn't look like he wasn't angry, he wasn't squaring up to anyone, he wasn't like fueled with rage or anything like that after that happened. You know, he, he kind of he got dragged to the ground in an instant and then as he's got up he's done something from the camera angle I can't see anything. Whether that is something or not from a different angle, I I can only speculate, but I, I felt that it was a very harsh red card from from what I saw. Whether he has done if he has done something silly, then yeah, fair play deserves it and realistically he then is the cause of us not getting three points there because I feel that with him on the pitch and with 11 men on the pitch we would have dominated that game and gone on to win maybe two or three nil it's um it's a little dig of the fist as they got up is is what's been is um is he like pressed it and pushed is he or something I, th- I think it's uh yeah it's uh it's it's something that put it this way Morel is disappointed in himself for doing so I, I don't know whether you, I mean you're more than entitled to your view and and whatever the referee's seen but put it this way the club haven't appealed it they didn't appeal uh Joe Morel's one that I remember talking about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that we uh we decided against um John Messina said no real complaints from Joe and he's obviously disappointed with the red and how it affected the game in the next few games as well. It's something he's taken on board and make sure he improves in his game. And actually, you know, we're massive Morel fans and we know the Morel family very well. I know they might even be listeners. I know they're viewers of the channel. Unfortunately, it's something that he's kind of been getting away with over the last couple of weeks. And we remember discussing the Bristol Rovers incident where that could have completely 
gone in Morel's face rather than going in their player's face, of course. And remember the the Dan and Lundaloo little moment off the ball where he kind of brings him down to the ground or trips him over or whatever. So he's he's got that spikiness to his game, which when it goes for you, it's absolutely brilliant. However, when it's the flip side, it can be quite catastrophic. And we know he's already been sent off this season, received a second yellow in quick succession for a handball incident. Followed, Well, the, there was a bit of a handbags incident that he got a yellow for and then followed by a handball, which he got a second in and got sent off. And ultimately, that didn't cost Pompey that game. We actually went on to score another goal down to 10 men. What it did do was cost Pompey at MK, Ollie. And moving forward, you know, there's there's obviously no way of telling and there's probably not even a reasonable assumption to make that Joe Morrell could cost Pompey the playoffs but in that moment and for the MK away game last Friday it certainly did cost us the game. I, did, I wasn't I was unaware of, of those facts like you just mentioned there Tom. Um, but I can I'll... see exactly where you're coming from and I'm inclined to agree with you that the fact that it was so no one knew what was going on as well it wasn't like an obvious he's right hooked him was it? It no. was like a I think what's happened is he's got a bit frustrated in the moment. He's got up. And you see and, the you headlock, know, don't you? Yeah, the player has literally dragged him to the ground, like full-on dragging him. If, if anything, it, the player should have had a card for doing whatever he did. I don't know if there was a card handed his way or not for that incident, but there definitely should have been because it was horrendous. Um, but Morel's reacted in a bad way. Like, uh, I mean, you can't put your hands on a player. Who was it? Silver and... Was it Silver's West Ham manager? Or West... Who's... Who was it? So Aston Villa manager, Silver. The Aston Villa manager is Unai Emery. Who's Silver manage? Marco Silver's the... Oh, he's managed everyone. I think he's the Fulham manager, isn't he? I remember seeing... It might be Fulham. I remember seeing something that he and the player got sent off in a very quick succession for a similar form of incident where the players... Oh, yes. Mitrovic at Old Trafford. Pushed yeah. the ref, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah, so did you see the elbow from the lino? Um, yeah, that was great. The weekend as well. That was yeah. great. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think those kind of instances that they're silly, aren't they? They're, they're needless. You don't benefit anything. Like that player's not actually hurt from what Morel did to him, is he? Let's face it, he got touched by his knuckle, if anything. Um, Morel obviously has then consequently potentially lost us that game. I think genuinely we have lost that game as a consequence of what happened there. I'm not pinning it all on Morel because it's difficult when you're in that situation, you're fired up and you're wanting to play. But like you said, he has got that that little edge to him that he he needs to rein in. He's still young though. You know, he's not an old player. He's he's very very wise in football terms in terms of the fact that he's played in a lot of big venues and in a lot of bigger occasions than what he has done for us. Um, but he's still very young in his mind, and I think that that shows a bit of, you know, where experience would have come in to tell him otherwise in that situation. He kind of lost his head and and the wrong action was taken. So, arguably, we could sit there and go, oh, that's lost us an opportunity in the playoffs. But then we could go back to Peter and go, that lost us an opportunity in the playoffs. And we could go we could go week in, week out over the what whole... What about of... the one win in 14? Exactly, I was going to say, <laughs> from October to December or January, where we, we did nothing, um, and go, all of those cost us. You know, we managed to beat Bolton... Um, at home, didn't we? Yes, 3-1, yeah. Yeah, so we managed to beat Bolton at home. Um, but then the two games when we had no management after the Cowlier, we lost both those games convincingly. Now, flip it on ahead, we got Massino in sooner or we're in a better place as a squad at that point, we might have got points there. So it, it's very easy to sit here and go, oh, Morel cost us two points and potentially the playoffs. But there's a whole chasm of 
of instances across the season that's cost us that opportunity. Arguably, Packett against Charlton getting sent off in like the first eight minutes that cost us, you know, a potential three points there. You know, we we've had this throughout the entire season, so I think it'd be unfair to pin it the the playoffs on Joe, but it just feels very very harsh at this point in the season to have such a silly instant cost you three points. But the Sorry, I just going to say, just to caveat to what we were saying about MK Dons, I tweeted after the game, I said, without coming across as bitter, I genuinely think someone should look into the referee's performance this afternoon. Far too many dubious ones that went against us today, not least the red card incident with Morel. I can cope with mistakes, but that was far too one-sided for me. Ollie, to think that the uh, the referee on the day, a guy called Carl Brook, who isn't particularly amazing at the best of times, he... Um, he detected 11 fouls that MK Dons committed. Sorry, MK Dons conceded 11 fouls. Pompey conceded 17. Pompey rewarded four yellow cards and one red card. Obviously, that being the morale red. Um, MK Dons received no yellow cards and no red cards. So quite a significant weighting of that. But you would have thought if, if the fouls are weighed 17 to 11, you'd expect maybe two cards either way. But it was four and one to zero and zero. I just felt like it was a little bit strange. I don't know. I mean, that's not me trying to pin that as the reason why we drew the game and as therefore consider our playoff hopes pretty much over after a poor Easter weekend. Because to have one shot on target in the second half, even with 10 men against MK Dons away from home, is not acceptable. But just interesting to, to pinpoint the slight kind of the maybe the referee changes the wind of the game a little bit, the direction. Yeah, I, I do feel that that obviously the refs and linesmen are always going to have an impact on the game with their decisions. That that's part of it. Um, it's just it is just part of football. At our level, we don't have VAR. We don't have an opportunity looking back whether people think it's the right thing or wrong thing. VAR it is obviously it gives that other element and other uh, accountability for the referee as well. Um, but I just think I think that there's. In that game, for me, there's certainly at least one yellow for what happened against Morel in that instant. You know, that there needs to be a card. If that happened and they both got up and they were both at fault, they should have both got a card. You know, both have had a yellow card if Morel hadn't have touched him and done what he did. But just because Morel touched him doesn't alleviate the player from what happened prior to that and what caused that instant. You know, if the player hadn't have acted in the way he acted and pulled Morel to the ground, Morel would have never did done, acted the way he acted and done what he'd done. So I do feel that there's certainly at least a yellow card there for MK. And then, you know, there's unfortunately we've got this thing in football called professional fouls, hmm. which is, you know, a, a light-hearted foul, breaking up play, slowing it down, whatever it might well be, that needs to really get cut out of the game, in my opinion, because they're deliberate in a lot of cases. The player knows exactly what he's doing. And if you're deliberately fouling a player to break up the game, I think it should be a cynical situation. You shouldn't be fouling an individual just to break up a game, whether it's light tackle or a firm one, it, it shouldn't matter the, the circumstances. It, it should be a card, in my opinion. Any kind of deliberate attempt to break the flow of play by fouling is, is not right. Um, but when you've got the inconsistency of refs in our league and the fact that, like you said, in that game, MK managed to get away with no cards with that amount of fouls, it, it's quite incredible, really, isn't it? So 
that that does impact the game. You know, like you said, even a yellow card makes a difference because then that player can't go into challenges quite as firmly for the rest of the game. They've got to be a bit more careful. They're a bit more, you know, aware of what they're doing in situations when they're last man or that they've got to fight for the ball. They're in a 50-50 challenge. You know, they're, they're very much more aware and that swings... The... Time-wasting as well, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. It swings it all back in, in the favour of us in that situation if they have a few yellows on the pitch. Um, maybe they have to make subs because they don't want to lose players to you know potential red cards, that kind of thing. It, it does make a difference to the mindset of the players and the whole team. So it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? it? It's just one of those things in football. You know, we, we made a mistake. We were punished for it, deservedly so. And it, it's a shame for us, but we've just got to move forward now. You know, realistically, we should be two points off the playoffs at this point. Um, tucked in quite nicely. We're not. We're Saturday five points off. Um and I think that we have made a step back this this Easter weekend, which was unfortunately probably our best chance at a big step forward. And I think it, it's maybe just a, an example of typical Pompey where you, you have it in, it wasn't exactly in our hands, but it was in front of us nonetheless. And, and, and in the moment where it really matters and something we'll come on to later on in the podcast as well is that there's a very good chance that Pompey will now go and win the next three games and then go to Derby with all the expectation in the world, only being a couple of points away from it. And then it may all come crashing down again. And, and we've spoken at length about how competitive those playoffs are going to be this year and, and how difficult it will be for Pompey to get absolutely anything out of them. So maybe there's a question whether we're better off out of them anyway to avoid the ignominy of what might come. Anyway, let's talk about Morecambe. Plenty of chances for Pompey, particularly in the first half. Tom Lowry probably could have scored two on Monday, unfortunately for, for him. He, he's just he's brilliant and he's, he's diminutive and he, he works in brilliant ways. And, and his, his touch in the middle of the park as well as a video on Twitter that I saw was just spectacular. Him bringing the ball down, get the wind and the elements all blowing and he manages to show the composure in the moment. He's not a is not not the kind of the the nailed on finisher is he in terms of that that centre midfield role that's not his complete um, role. The unfortunate thing is all the chances Ollie seem to fall to the people that don't tend to score many. And actually for Colby he was pretty dry in terms of his actual opportunities on Monday, which is not what you need when you need the three points against a, a team such as Morecambe, who to be fair had their chances as well, but are going to make life difficult for you. Yeah, I mean. We had some really good opportunities in that game that we didn't take advantage of. And that is the difference, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's the difference of us being in the playoffs and not. You know, we're, we're sat here looking at Friday quite critical in that one instant with Morel thinking how that could have cost us the playoffs. But then the team didn't turn up against Morecambe and do what we needed to do. You know, if we, we win that game straight away, we're still back in the playoff You know, fight in my eyes. I think at the moment we're a bit too far off. Um, with the amount of games left and what games we've got to play. I think it is a real tough uphill challenge. We need to really you know, turn our performance up another gear between now and the end of the season if we ever want to get the opportunity of playoffs. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that the the general outcome of, of Monday is, is equally as detrimental to our playoff hopes as what happened on Friday, really, because that Monday fixture was a step back for us and it was an opportunity because... You know, the two teams above us, I think, only picked up three points over the weekend. Um, we obviously picked up two, so we've taken a one-point step back, which doesn't actually seem that bad when you think about it. But the reality of it is we should have had at least four points, even if not six, and we should have been right up behind them at this point. You know, at least one point off the playoffs, really, looking at where we're going into the, this season. And if we're sat here today, one point off the playoffs, you know, right in amongst the mix of the games we've got coming up, we I think we'd feel very differently and we'd feel very confident about it. Whereas there's a very much a flatness to, to Pompey at the minute and the performance we put in it late. And 
I think that everyone's in that that questionable boat of thinking I, I'm not sure we're good enough to to get in the playoffs, and even if we did, we're certainly not showing the the form that we need to to be able to push through it. The disappointing thing is as well when you look at the kind of the form table and you look above us. Wickham have lost two in the last two games, and drawn two and won one. Derby went on a three-game losing streak, won and then drew. Bolton, a draw, a loss, a draw, a win, a draw. They, the, the only actual form team above us in terms of getting that kind of the playoff hunt, not really definitely in the playoffs, Peterborough United with four wins out of five. Pompey, actually, three draws, two wins in the last five. So... You think about how much we could have capitalised on the fact that so many of those teams above us have been dropping points of late, and it's even more agonising. Yeah, exactly that. You know, I was I was looking very much at the form table, like you were saying during the week um, after what happened on Monday. I was sat there looking at it, just staring a little bit of disbelief because if we get those two wins, we're probably the most informed team in the league at that point. You know, uh, excluding maybe. I think Sheffield Wednesday have been on a bit of a run of late. Um, but yeah, excluding them, if we get those two wins, we, we're looking at being pro- probably the most informed team in the league, pushing towards the playoff places and everyone be sat here buzzing, jumping around, excited about the opportunities that lie ahead and, and the potential of maybe even scraping a, a seat in the championship next year. Um as it stands today, we have a massive uphill struggle against us. And like you said, whether you know, our eighth league season, it will be if we stay here again, um, is maybe something that actually we need. Rebuild a little bit, build the squad back up around what Massino wants to see and how he wants us to play and come back out next year fighting and hopefully lose someone like Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth and Ipswich out of the league where we've got an opportunity to really to push for those those top two spots because we, we haven't been good enough this year. And even if we were playing the f- type of football we have been playing of late throughout the whole season, I still think it would have been a challenge to to be in the fight for those top spots because they, they have been excellent, those two teams. Well, those basically the top four have been brilliant all year, haven't they? Yeah, I, mean, you, I saw a stat somewhere that said like, oh, the top four teams with the f- the games this calendar year have all got exactly the same points. They've all got like 30 points out of a possible whatever, or it wasn't exactly 30, but they've all been literally neck and neck with how well they've been doing. Our calendar year has actually been pretty, pretty good. And it, it's been, you know, if the, if the league started at the start of 2023, Pompey would be looking at a much better situation than they are in now. But I think that obviously was spoken at length about the first half of the season and what a detriment that was to us. Yeah, there were, there were also a couple of chances for Rico in the Morecambe game as well. Ultimately, though, it just led to a pretty flat Fratton Park atmosphere-wise. I didn't even think away from home. At MK, we, we were particularly given an awful lot to sing about. And it's a shame. It's probably, obviously, it's Morecambe, so no disrespect, but it's not exactly going to be a highly charged atmosphere with a, a load of away fans to bounce off. But sadly, it just feels like everything about the club at the moment is um, slowly just starting to tail off towards the end of the season. And unfortunately... Um, that just might be the case because of what's reflected on the pitch. You got your dinner, mate? Got my dinner. No one can what? see this, but I've just been... It's a proper kid's dinner. It's um, chicken nuggets, hash browns and some pasta. It's um, <laughs> it's the sort of thing I'd have when I got home from school about 10 it's years like, ago. It's half a fry... Well, third of a fry-up, third of a children's dinner and third Italian. 
Yeah, and the, the pasta is absolutely covered in mayonnaise as well. It's just being plastered. Um, I can't even remember what I was saying. I was distracted for that last little bit. I was talking about how the, the atmosphere-wise, we've we've a little bit quite quiet of late, which is a shame because it was hoping to be such a grandstand finish, and I, I just don't think the belief's there from the fan base. No, I think I think everyone's now in the same boat as how I feel right now. I I would think I speak for the entirety. I think I speak for the entirety of Fratton Park when I say that disappointment is the word I would use um, because we've we've obviously got the potential in the squad to be in and amongst the playoffs and in amongst those top spots. So don't get me wrong, we, we've shown that with the recent form. Like you said, from 2023, we've been in very good form. We would be up in those sort of top four to five teams with the form we've shown in 2023. Um, however, and obviously we've spoken at length about the, the negativity of what happened towards the end of the Cowley era. And I do feel that that, that run of form has played mentally on us as fans. Um, I think that that's made a lot of people lose a lot of love with the club. Um, and there's been this whole anticipation of us charging up towards the playoffs and this this background excitement about it in, in our minds going, you know, we actually could do this. Um, I think relatively, if you said to us in, in January, we'd be in the position we're in five points off the playoffs with X amount of games to go with an opportunity and we're playing Derby who are just above us, everyone would have bitten your hand off of that. Um, so it, it's very much a relative question, isn't it? You know, at this moment, we feel very deflated because of the opportunity and how well we have been performing to this point. But which we has were been... 15th at one point. Exactly. And this is what I mean. We're, we're nowhere near where we were. Um, at our lowest this season. So we, we have really turned it around and really made a good change. And I think that the the negativity of that mid part of the season is sat in us still. And we, we're very much carrying that with us as, a, as almost like a bit of a burden, which is why we feel so disappointed. Whereas the reality of it is we're in a very strong position as a club comparably to where we were. And, you know, we would have all accepted that as fans if we were offered this situation in at the start of January. We spoke about uh, form a little bit earlier on in the show. Team we'll finish with is Shrewsbury, which is where we are off to this weekend. They've lost four out of their last four games, Ollie. Yeah, I mean, that's a great opportunity for us, isn't it? They are sat right below us, so they're only one place off us, so they're not going to be any schmucks. So... Two two places off us. We eighth, are we? No, we're ninth. They're eleventh. Ignore the table, it's wrong. Oh, sorry, my stat man has given me a wrong table. <laughs> um... I imagine then, judging by this, they're in negative goal difference right about now as well. Um, mm, so, minus four, yeah. Yeah, so four mm. nil. There you go. But they were a team that at one point were making a beeline for those playoffs. And we were looking at that thinking a couple of weeks ago. I remember saying it to you. Going to Shrewsbury is going to be really tough because that'll be in a way game where we're fighting for all the points. And maybe the winner of that would probably make a charge for the, the late charge for the playoffs. They're absolutely out of it with nothing to play for. Steve Cottrell, obviously Pom- former Pompey boss. Make no bones about it because they recruited really well in January and they did well in the summer. But 2-0 away to Ipswich, they lost on the 18th of March. They lost 6-0 to Charlton on the 1st of April. They lost 3-0 to Peterborough at home a couple of weeks ago on the 7th of April. And then they lost 2-1 away to Barnsley on the 10th of April. So they've had some tonkins of late. Yeah, they, that, but also they are some tough fixtures. I mean, excluding Charlton, really, those three clubs you'd expect to beat Shrewsbury, yeah. uh, especially in the form they're in. So you could kind of argue you could you could let them off those three losses in a way because that was fairly inevitable. It is a hard run of games. Charlton, that 6-0 beating is, is 
you know, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? We spoke about it last week, I think, where we mentioned how, you know, Charlton obviously got their set up right and, and took all their opportunities. And it's just one of those games, you know, we've seen it at Fratton Park before. And I think Pompey beat Reading 7-4. Um, that was back in the Premiership days. Uh, I remember being at that game and we were going, we won eight. We won eight. And realistically, you never score seven goals in the game. And likewise, Charlton don't really very rarely score six goals or five goals or four goals in the game. So it's one of those anomalies, that kind of result. And Charlton are a good team. Don't get us wrong. They, they, you know, they were in at the start of the season. We would have put them in probably our top six or seven teams in the league. So it, they've obviously had a bit of a fall from grace this season as well, as of a lot of teams. But Shrewsbury in some bad form. There's an opportunity for us to play on that you know, take a bit of confidence into that game thinking we can get three points. And, and, and it's a good chance for us to, to push back towards those playoff places and we really need to, to grab it. Now, we, we don't have, you know, I've been saying for weeks we need to win seven out of our nine or we need to win seven out of our ten, whatever it might well be. Relatively, we, we never needed that seven out of ten, but that's the mindset we needed. Um, but now I do really feel we're in a situation where we need to win near enough every game between now and the end of the season to even get a hope of the playoffs. So we need to go into that game really strong, really aggressive and, and put a performance that the team and the, and the crowd can be proud of because I think that will help settle the nerves around Fratton Park a little bit in terms of the fan base. It will help settle the, the players in terms of their security uh, for next season, but also their security with the, the fans you know, getting behind them again, um, which is massively important. You know, we, we've been the 12th man for Pompey for, for years and years and years. So to be in a position that where we're still feeling negative from the, the impacts of January, uh, October to January, it, it's a bit bad, really. And we need to get behind the team and, and, and start pushing forward towards the end of the season. Something that I've struggled to get my head around in the last couple of weeks, and, and maybe it's because it's specifically been MK Dons and Morecambe and looking ahead to Shrewsbury, I don't know whether the same kind of tactics will be facing us when we do play them. But that low block and that sticking all the men behind the ball is something that Pompey just can't seem to deal with and unlock. And it's been the story of our season. It was the same under Danny Cowley. It seems to be the same under Massinio, where that fast-paced, high-pressing attacking, if you press a team that wants to sit deep... They are going to make a mistake. You are not playing Barcelona, Manchester City, Bayern. Well, not Bayern Munich. It's a really bad example right now, isn't it? Um, give me another good team in Europe. Pa PSG, are they any good at the moment? PSG is shit. Oh, great. Thanks. I'll have to put explicit on the podcast now for that. Lovely. Um, <laughs> what's no, another um, high-flying European team? What I'm saying is basically that the Real low... Madrid. Real Madrid. The low block that Morecambe came and just put on us. Why are we not being spiky and aggressive and going out and pushing that back line back as far we can to drive the error and force the mistake and then capitalise? It's what we made such a profit out of at the start of the season. It's why we were getting all the results against the lesser teams in the division. It's what the big teams in the league can do so well. Not necessarily be high press and forcing the error, but working your way around a low block, stick everyone behind the ball set up. It's just something that I think... Needs a look at, uh, a, a sensible tinkering in the summer, definitely, if there's anything that can be done between now and when we next play Accrington at home, for example, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, that's going to be a really crucial one, looking at it, if you're going to have any hope for the last remaining couple of games. But 
maybe you might be sat there thinking, well, the damage is done, Tom. So there's absolutely no reason for us to be thinking about it. Right. Let's move on to the final part of the episode. We'll discuss low block and tactics, etc., in a, a subsequent episode because I'd be interested to get um, the audience's take on that one. I know it's something that's kind of been bugging a lot of Pompey fans who are kind of watching it and thinking, well, there's so much more we could be doing. Anyway, last little bit. League One this weekend is very exciting for two reasons, three reasons. Obviously, Shrewsbury Pompey. But at midday on Saturday, Exeter City hosts Plymouth Argyle in the Devon Derby. At 12.30 on Saturday, Cambridge play Peterborough in what is a local rivalry as well. Two really tasty games. I wanted to talk about derbies in football and how there's not quite anything else. And you look at kind of the Premier League franchise fabricated ones and you want to draw because there are still quite a good few Premier League ones in there. You think Manchester United, Liverpool is still a really great derby, but the kind of the and, and even Arsenal Spurs is still a really good one. But I don't think there's anything quite else, particularly in English football. I know there's a lot of kind of the Milan derby or, you know, you've got your, your European ones in Barcelona, Real Madrid, etc. El Clasico. But there's something about English football, particularly in the third tier, on Saturday the 15th of April, two huge games between four sets of really passionate fan bases. It's such an absolute gem of English football, isn't it? To have those moments coming up on Saturday where you can go, yes, it's the third tier of English football. There's, there's so much riding on it for so many people. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, really. Um, you, look you. At the, you look at the team... <laughs> You look at the teams across Europe, and you know I've been fortunate enough to go to a Rome Lazio derby. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And that I sat in the neutral section, and let me tell you, it is not very neutral. Um, <laughs> I was a massive Roma fan. I liked Totti. Um, not a Roma fan as in a supporter, but I I like Rome, uh, and I was a big fan of Totti. He scored. They went one 0 up. We all celebrated, and it turned out that it was a load of Lazio fans in there, which wasn't quite as fun. Um, you go with so, dad, but, but no, no, no. This is years ago with my brother. Um, oh. but, so, I, I, you know, I've been to some lovely stadiums and watched some great games of football. I've been very fortunate in my time. Um, however, you know, it, it's they're typically across Europe, like you said, Barcelona, Real. Um, you got United, Liverpool. I know that's a, a long-standing derby. Don't um, worry about that bleeping, mate. We'll just ignore yeah. the fact that that's happening. That's not happening. So uh, that's been a long-standing derby. But all the all the games you're talking about here are the top tier of football. You know, mm. and that's the thing that you need, you've really hit the nail on the head. You know, in English football, one of the great things about it are those rivalries. I think I think they're they're massively important to communities. Um, they really like amalgamate people together in the right ways also in the wrong ways don't get me wrong there's some a lot of hooliganism and, and bad things that happen around that time as well that you know we, we don't really like to see um but the passion and the love for it and the support for your city and your team is is like no other in english football and i think that is a real credit to us in terms of we're, we're sat here talking about not the premiership not the championship, but League One mm. and how vital these games are for these clubs. I mean, you look at the turnout even in non-league for that Wrexham versus Notts County game, how much that meant last uh, on the weekend just gone and how big that was for Wrexham, that win. You know, that, that meant so much to so many people and that is the National League of football. Mm. You know, you wouldn't get that in any other country. 
you would not get that level of support. And I think it just shows how much football means to communities and to people and to individuals. It's a real, you know, let out of emotion for a lot of people. It's a real get away from life type situation. And it means so much to them. So it's, a, it's an amazing thing, really, that we have this in the UK. And we, we are so passionate, even throughout every aspect of the league. Um, and it just shows, I think, in in the way that we follow our country and everything else around it. I think that as a as a country in general, we're very supportive of our club, our towns. We're very passionate, very patriotic, and you know, so it, I think that's a, a credit to us, really, as a country, in terms of how we feel about that sport and how driven we are and how much we put behind it. Because let's face it, the, the clubs and the standard wouldn't be as they are without the fans doing what they do. And one other thing as well that we didn't mention is that you can back the underdog massively in a game like that. You can literally just go extra, I think, will probably come away with it because it's at home, it's at St. James's Park and Plymouth are on a bit of a dip. And then Cambridge Peterborough, they obviously Cambridge have been down there, but they're making a real beeline for, for survival this season. So, and Peterborough have been on a, a massive winning streak and, you know, the next loss is due at some point. So, it's crazy. Anyway... That's where we are um, going to leave you this evening. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Four Never Live podcast. Ollie, would I be able to take a, um, a score prediction off you for Saturday's upcoming game and maybe just a final word on what we can maybe expect from the Shrewsbury away trip? I think the Shrewsbury away trip is going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a hard game. I'm going to go 2 1 Pompey, last minute winner. We will go mental. Nice. I, think... I might put a bet on it, Rico Hackett to score. What was going on in your house? You got lorries arriving. No, no, I'm uh, making dinner, and that's just the beep of the microwave to tell me that the plates are warm. <laughs> Oh, nice. Well, while Ollie goes and calls down his plates, we're going to leave you. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see you this time next week for another edition of the Full Nerd Live Rip podcast. Keep the faith, and as always, play up Pompey. <laughs>